a vision for you big book study my name is Kathy Kay and I am a recovered compulsive overeater today is Thursday January 5th 2017 and we are reading from the big book and we are on page XXVIII uh, the first full paragraph today's um, readers are Deanna B. on the 12 Steps, Felicia D. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Vinga P., Janice B., and Lauren S. Uh, the reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, January 4th, is 9451, and our newcomer greeter today is Lisa B. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deanna B. to read our 12 steps. Thank you, Kathy. This is Deanna B., recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Deanna B. And I will now ask Felicia D. to read our 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Felicia D. And here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place Principles before personalities. Thank you, Felicia D. You're welcome. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Excuse me. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XXVIII, the first full paragraph, which begins, We Believe and So Suggested, and we are going to read two paragraphs 
and focus our comments on the second paragraph. And I will ask Vinga P. to get us started. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much. My name is Vinga P. in Minnesota, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomena of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all, and once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance on pun, things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can, which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. From Vinga P. in Minnesota, very grateful, um, recovered. The frothy emotional appeal um, doesn't work, as I've learned through the years. The message must have depth and weight. And um, in order for me to listen, just stop and listen. I I had to hear it from other alcohol, other compulsive overeaters who shared some of my same experiences. And um, it says that the their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And um, so I have to. Uh, in order for me to continue growing, for, for me, even when I began, I had to set out time for my higher power. I have to seek my higher power each day, and I have to develop a hunger for, for this time with higher power to give me strength to be ground, so I can be grounded in this power. And it's a matter of me being partnership with my higher power to it says if they are to recreate their life. So I want to be in partnership with my higher power, and I do my part, and um, and then receive um, the blessings and receive the strength and the power to grow away from destructive behavior, away into constructive behavior, away from me, myself, and I into we. And, and what's best for the overall. Um, it's very beautiful transition that we grow into as we're working the steps and, and as we're living in steps 10, 11, and 12. And if you're new, I, I strongly suggest to try to develop this hunger for your higher power each day. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Binga P. Who would like to share on the second paragraph that Vinga read? Julie S. Larry. Melissa E. Melissa C. Melissa R. 
Okay. Let me tell you what I have so far. I have um, Julie R., Larry K., Tina S., Melissa C., Vasa O. Were there others? Harlan G. G. Nessa R. I think I heard Harlan G. and Nessa R. And who else? Leah M. Charles H. Uh, Did I hear someone named Susie? Kim G. Oh, Kim G. I'm sorry, Kim. Okay. Okay. We're going to stop there. It's a long list. We've got Julie R., Larry K., Tina S., Melissa C., Vasa O., Harlan G., Nessa R., Leah M., Kim G., and Charles H. Let's see how we progress through this list. Please go ahead, Julie. Hi, this is Julie, but I didn't... Um, oh, you didn't? You no, were not on my list? No. Julie F. Julie F? M. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Julie M. Are you there? I'm, yes, I'm sorry. Um, so I just... I In my experience with this, what I learned the most recent time going through the steps was with a vision sponsor is that I was blocked from my higher power while in the food and I never understood that I worked through the steps before it took me two years and I put sugar down but it wasn't until working this time that I understood that in order to get through and have the spiritual awakening. And I I had to put everything down. And that the blocks between myself and my higher power were not just the food, but it was all that, as Harlan says, the buildup of human emotion. And that it took me getting through all the steps, or at least through step nine, to have relief from those and relief from that type of pain. That once that wasn't there... I could actually connect with my higher power. And before coming in this time, I had had spiritual awarenesses, as Kim G says, but I hadn't had the true spiritual awakening as a result of working the steps until this time. And it's just, it's, it's, a, mir- it's, it's a miracle, but it's so simple. And the fact that I hung on to things like cheese the fact that cheese is something that I allowed to keep me from my higher power, now looking back seems insane because now that I've let go of it, I don't care. I'm so much happier to be connected with my higher power and to have support with all my issues than remain where I was in the pain that I was in. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie M. And Larry K., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. It's Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, it says, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message must have depth and weight. Frothy emotional appeal, insubstantial, superficial, of little substance. You know, it brings me back. I remember my ex-wife, she was a black belt in karate. 
And she was generally a very fit person physically. And I, I remember her pleading with me, you know, she said, Larry, when I put on a few extra pounds, here's what I did. I simply cut my portions in half. I ate everything I wanted, but just ate half of them. And within a, within a couple of months, I was, you know, uh, 15 pounds lighter. It's all you have to do. My sister told me, Larry, there's this new thing. It's called hot yoga. It's all the rage. <laughs> yeah, I found it was all the rage. It made me angry, made me irritable. Um, my father, bless his heart, uh, when he was alive, he, he, he would pull out pictures of me uh, when I was younger, place them before me. Uh, these were photos when I was uh, strapping, uh, I don't know, handsome, but lad of 19 or so. Boy, son, you know, you sure were fit. You sure, you know, were fit back then. And, you know, the thing was, is see, our families and friends are waiting for the day that will miraculously rise out of this lethargy. And I remember when I played football in high school, occasionally when you get your bell rung, you know, you, you take a hit, right? The, the trainer would put some smelling salt under your nose. And one whiff of that stuff, and presto, your mind clears. It's a bit. It's a, it's a chemical p compound of ammonia used to arouse consciousness. If you're a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety like me, th there's no smelling salt that's going to arouse consciousness in you. A diet's not going to arouse consciousness. Exercise isn't going to arouse consciousness. A nagging spouse is not go going to be your smelling salt. Gastric pipe bypass does nothing to arouse consciousness. Even a book on nutrition, that's not going to change you into a normal eater. See, the only thing with depth and weight for a guy like me was a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery through the 12 steps. And the 12 steps, that program of action is found in the first 164 pages of this book. It's a complete spiritual metamorphosis, um, rapid change. That's what happened as the result of these steps. We're brought into alignment with our higher power. Lots of changes that occur. Oh, one of the changes, probably the least of the changes for me today is that, um, today I say that, is that this obsession, this obsession was eradicated. It was removed as long as I remain in fit spiritual condition. I say the least of it. The bigger part is that I've moved from a, a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. Grateful for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, Tina S., Compulsive Theater Anorexic in Florida. I heard some great stuff already. Glad to be on the line. What a powerful, powerful paragraph for me. You know, because for a long time I skipped over the doctor's opinion and thought, let's get into Chapter 1. You know, and um, like a nice addict, alcoholic, compulsive eater. And, you know, and it's already been shared. You know, I love the words, you know, frothy, emotional appeal. That was just me. You know, I was light and entertaining, but I had little substance. That's just the truth. You know, and I was urgently requesting people to do for me what I could not do for myself. You know, I would plead to people, can I, you know, show me how you look the way that you look and how to do what you do and, and bottom line, do it for me. Um, you know, I was an athlete, still am an athlete recreationally, but in, in school. And, um, you know, I would just want my coaches just to pound the weight off of me. And, and it worked for a period of time, you know, and it really, and it did. I have to say that it worked for a period of time until it didn't. And then it says that this appeal is inadequate, for sure, didn't work, and, 
you know, and, and I must have this message that has depth and weight and already been shared it. The only message for me that ever worked was the 12 steps. And, um, you know, and that my ideals, you know, my standards or my principles must be grounded in a power greater than myself, you know. And, um, and I loved what was shared. You know, I too had to start to invite a power greater than myself into my life to manage my life because I certainly failed at doing that. And then I love this. It says, if they want to recreate their life. Well, by goodness, you know, I finally got to the place where I wanted to recreate my life. And then today I had that opportunity one day at a time to continue to do the deal, you know, and, um, you know, I'm just real grateful uh, to be here and to hear the message daily, you know, and what a gift this meeting is for me and I, I'm sure for a lot of others. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Um, Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, this frosty emotional appeal, um, God, I just love that I. it's becoming very clear. It's, come, it's become very clear who I am and what I have. Because frosty emotional appeal works for other people, you know. Um, I've had a lifetime of being lectured, you know, and having people sit down and give me a, a good talking to, a loving talking to, um, and, you know, that must work for other people, but it didn't work for me. You know, I, I years ago, my mother-in-law um, sat me down. She was crying, telling me how she lost her mother as a little girl, and my husband lost his father as a as a little boy, and that she was terrified that I was going to leave my children motherless like she had been. And, you know, she told me how difficult it was growing up without a mother. And then, you know, and then she pointed out to me how heavy I had gotten and that surely I was killing myself. And, you know, that might work for other people, but I needed something grounded in depth and weight. How could that not be heavy enough? How could that that not have enough depth and enough weight, but it didn't for me. You know, I didn't need a good talking to. I needed to recreate my life. And um, and until I really got that, that what I needed was a recreation of my life and I could not do it on my own, um, you know, nothing else worked. But once I took that in and I heard the message of depth and weight from people who had recovered, um, and that's the steps, you know, that following the steps um, one by one thoroughly and in its entirety, my life has been recreated and it is not by me, you know, it, it's by a higher power that I'm willing to connect with above everything else. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Vasa O, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive leader, calling from Florida. Uh, I had tried to control the food addiction for many, many, many years, and what I was doing was not working any longer. And I remember even before I came to my first meeting to Overeaters Anonymous, before I heard anything about the program, I remember coming home from grocery shopping one time, and I had a van at that time, was way up there coming home, you know. 
And I remember I, my heart was aching to find God or something out there. I, I, I remember reaching out with my hands out there. I didn't know anything about the food addiction. I just knew I could not stop eating, you know. I remember reaching out with God, to God with my hands, one up, you know, and I remember saying, God, if you're there, please show me where you are. Uh, come in my life. And, uh, and that was the end. And I remember saying, oh, I just hope nobody's watching and seeing me, you know, praying to God, you know. I was kind of embarrassed to talk, to, to pray. And again, uh, I love the last sentence, the last sentence, in nearly all cases, the ideas must be grounded in a power. I feel like I'm going to cry. In a power greater than, than themselves, if they are to recreate their lives. And, and I do believe I, God brought me in the program. You know, I was led in the program. But I also didn't like the, to hear the, the idea about God because I did grow up with fear for punishing God. I, I like the idea, the idea of higher power than myself, hearing the power greater than myself sounded so much better because I was, I was afraid of God. And uh, and that was just the beginning of my life, you know. But I didn't think my life needed to be recreated. I just needed to lose the weight, and I was going to just leave the program, and I was going to be happy for the rest of my life. And I thank God that I, you know, kept listening and staying with the steps, you know. And I kept on hearing, if you don't work the steps, you're going to, you know, you're going to go back into the food, and that's the only motive I stayed in the program to work the steps because I didn't want to go back into the food, you know. But the, re- the, the transformation, the recreation is so much better that I have in my life today, you know, with, you know, with my higher power, you know. I've done, you know, he's given me the strength, the courage, the wisdom. I'm not there all the way, but I'm working towards that even you know, I'll never be done till I'm dead. But anyways, thank you for your service and thank you for letting me share my experience with this. Thank you, Pastor O. Harlan G., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Excellent. Thank you for your service. Thanks to Team Thursday. I love this paragraph. Uh, Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In other words, I must be hearing it from someone who can identify with what I am thinking are thoughts that are secret unto me about food. There must be identification there. There must be that identification or I'm just going to write you off as another person who's well-intentioned but is just giving me a lecture. And that has been done throughout my entire life. What is the prerequisite here, though? Because if it says here, in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives, what is the unspoken prerequisite here. In college, you cannot take accounting 102 until you pass accounting 101. 
the prerequisite here is that I must have hit a bottom. Until the pain of eating is greater than the fear of letting God or anything into my life that is not of my idea, my choosing, my ego's ranting and raving, I must have smashed the bottom. I must be out of ideas. And when the speaker or the listener is out of ideas, magic things can happen. But until I'm out of ideas on how I'm going to do this my way, I'm going to be good, quote, unquote, for six days a week, and one day a week I'm going to eat everything and anything I want. When that idea is abandoned or all the other nourish kite is abandoned, then when the pain is so massive that I cannot bear it anymore, now I have a channel to hear the message. So the prerequisite for the speaker or the hearer is that a word? Or the listener, that's a better word, listener. Until that bottom is reached, now I can hear, now I can convey this message. And it, there must be identification there. It cannot be something someone read out of a book. We are too good at listening to nourish kite, but when we hear the real thing, we know it. You can't BS a BSer, and you can't blow something past the compulsive overeater. We're just too good. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Nessa R., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. And uh, Harlan is always a very tough act to follow, um, so I'm not even going to try. But uh, I also want to talk about um, recreating lives, because this means that you know, life after going through this process um, looks absolutely different than it did, you know, when I was in inactive addiction. And, you know, I guess the implication here is that not only it is different, but it is so much better, so much better, which indeed it is, you know, like my life has changed so much. And not, not because uh, my circumstances have changed, you know, um, they actually haven't changed much, but, you know, I'm the one who has been recreated. You know, my my attitudes towards everything, um, my focus um, on, you know, uh, what I choose to focus on. And, you know, this is why it says here, um, the ideals must be grounded in a power greater than, than themselves. You know, and an ideal is a principle to be aimed at. And so my, my ideals have changed. You know, prior to my, my recovery, prior to going through this process, my ideal was to make Nessa happy, to get what I wanted. Um, and in order to do that, I had to make people do what I wanted. And even though my motives were good, you know, um, I wasn't happy. Nobody, nobody was happy because I didn't have the right ideal. And the right ideal here, as it says, must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. So that means that my focus has to be on God's will, God's will for me, God's will for others, because let's face it, you know, my best thinking got me to um, about 200 pounds in, in a, in a five foot one frame. And so 
how can I claim to know what's better for everybody else if I don't even know what's what's better for me? Like I made my life a mess. How can I fix everybody else's lives? But the problem that I had in active addiction is that I was blocked from God. I mean, I've always believed in God, but I had no access to him. You know, and I was blocked by two things. I was blocked by the food. And then I was blocked by myself. And so two things had to happen. One is I had to put down all the substances entirely, entirely 100%, you know, without any reservations. The food had to be down so I could get rid of the the first block. And then the second block was myself, you know, my selfishness, my little plans and designs and my, my fears, my resentments, all that kind of stuff. And for that... Um, you know, I had this little chip of a book, the instructions contained herein, which were taught to me um, by my sponsor, you know, a person in whom the problem had been solved. So it's giving us here a process. Um, it's giving us here, you know, a recipe. You know, first of all, you know, remove the blocks. Um, and then when you have the right focus, which means do God's will, not Nessa's will, help others instead of just always looking out, you know, for number one, the, the so-called number one, uh, and that you recreate your life. And I am, I am so different now, um, you know, despite the challenges and, and despite the hardship that, that we all go through, uh, life is so much better, and that's what it means to recreate um, our lives based on, a, on an ideal that really, really works, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Leah M., please go ahead. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service. You know, when I got here, I was living in the madness and mayhem of compulsive overeating. <laughs> um, I was dying of compulsive overeating, even though I was quite young. And and worst of all, I was hopeless. I had no hope um, that there would ever be anything different because nothing else worked. Nothing was working. Um, You know, I crawled in with tombstones in my eyes, and someone in whom the problem had been solved cracked open this text and guided me through the steps so that I could have a spiritual awakening. I was no vision for you when I got here, but the steps, this process has allowed me to be recreated. You know, the big book talks about being reborn. I am not the same person I was when I got here. As a result of the, this work and the dedication it takes uh, in recovery, um, I have undergone a profound alteration in my reaction to life as a result of this work. I have been able to tap an unsuspected inner resource where I can automatically find a place to get that sense of ease and comfort that I used to so desperately try to find in the bottom of a bakery box and a cellophane bag. What the steps do are take away the mental obsession and substitute for that mental obsession a spiritual awakening, a personality change that is sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. And because of that process, I am able to have a sense of harmony with the world and a unity with life that allows me to become sane again. The work still continues through step 10, 
through step 11 and step 12. But after having a spiritual awakening, you can do things you could never do before. You're able to live and get along with your fellow human beings. You're able to deal with them openly and honestly without resentment, without fear, without guilt, without remorse. And when those rear those he- their heads or if, you're still able to find that serenity and peace of mind by, again, tapping into that inner resource. So instead of restlessness and irritation and discontentment, you're able to stay abstinent and do it happily. And that's as a result of the 12 steps and the love of a higher power. And that is the message that we carry, that as a result of these steps, we've had a spiritual awakening and we no longer suffer from compulsive overeating. And that's a message of hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. And uh, Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to get emotional sharing today. I just love this. You know, God, I read the big book for many years, and I always thought Bill was very poetic. You know, this the idea of frothy emotional peel and depth and weight. But until I became a student, it didn't have resonate with my soul the way that it does now. And I always like visuals. So this is what I think of when I think of frothy emotional peel versus depth and weight. You know, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I've fallen in a hole. And as I'm in that hole screaming for help, a psychiatrist walks by and looks down the hole and goes, you know what, let's talk about what led up to you falling in that hole. And then he leaves. And then a doctor walks by and looks down the hole and says, let me explain to you why you are in the hole. And then he leaves. And then a priest, a rabbi, a minister walks by and sees me screaming that I need help. And he looks down the hole and goes, don't worry, my child. I will pray for you about being in the hole. And then some family members come by and they cry and they wring their hands. They say, why don't you get yourself out of the hole? And then friends walk by and they yell at me. Well, you're smarter than this. Get the heck out of the hole. And then some people who are part of a support group walk by and they look down the hole and they lament with me about how unfair it is that I'm in the hole. That's all frothy emotional appeal. But what happens is I'm screaming for help, a compulsive overeater who has been properly armed with the facts about themselves, who has, whom the problem has been solved, walks by, looks in the hole, jumps down into the hole with me, grabs my hand and says, don't worry, I have been in this hole and I know how to get out. That is the difference between frothy emotional appeal and a message of depth and weight. And thank you, God, that six years ago I was approached by people who were more concerned about saving my life than hurting my feelings and told me and grabbed my hand because they had been where I'd been, were no longer there, and helped me find my way out. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Charles H., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy K. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Frothy emotional appeals. Here's a Jamaican saying that, that they say, empty, barrel make, empty barrels make the most noise. Bang, bang, bang. Just, just, just all that lip service. To me, that's frothy. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'll start next Monday. Oh yeah, it's a new year, new year, new gear. All that, all that lip service is frothy, right? Um, 
you know, telling people what they should do and what they should eat. That's frothy. Running after people that won't that won't follow your 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 guide in the uh, in the big book. That's frothy. Um, caring about what people think about me. That's frothy. Uh, you know, uh, um, demanding people to, to follow your lead. That's frothy. Um, jumping on the line every day saying, you know, OH percentages is weak. We know that. We know that. I really don't want to hear that no more. That's frothy. And, and, um, and, and it also says if we are to recreate our life. I don't know much about this big book. I've only been in this program for a short time. I know one thing, though, that um, um, it has, this big book has four meanings for me. It gives me warnings. It gives me promises. It gives me prayers, and it gives me conditions. It says, if I am to recreate my life. And it says, in nearly all cases, or nearly all of them, right, um, that my, my ideals must be grounded in a power greater than myself if, if, if I am to recreate my life. And, and just another real quick thing I, I just had to say to myself and this, this thought that I want to share with you guys. Am I am I doing God's work or am I trying to do God's job? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Libby E. Libby E. Craig F. Craig F. This is Raquel calling from Israel. Okay, Raquel, I heard you. Renee C. Renee C. Terry G. Terry Janice G. Terry G. And Reggie O. And Reggie O. We better stop there. I'm not sure how time will go. Okay, Libby E. Please go ahead. Hi, I'm Libby E. Recovered Compulsive Eater in New York. Um, for all the emotional appeal, seldom suffices. You know, nothing that I heard or I experienced was able to change my behavior. I was able to stop me from doing what I was doing to myself. And it's not that I didn't care about my dear husband who was affected big time because of me and my disease. And, you know, it's not that I didn't trust my doctor when he told me, Libby, you know, if you don't go on a healthy diet, you'll, you'll need gallbladder surgery. It's not that I didn't believe what the doctor was saying to me that I couldn't stop. And, you know, it wasn't that I didn't care that I was a prey to misery and depression. I was falling apart. I saw my life a huge mess, and I was so unhappy. Of course I cared. It was that when it came to this disease, I had absolutely no power. I could not help myself, no matter how hard I tried. And it was when I heard you all on the line living a happy, sane life, you know, all coming from where I was coming from, and you were no longer there. And you made it clear to me exactly what I need to do to get well. I heard, I heard that message of depth and weight, that I only have two options. It's either to blot out the consciousness of our intolerable situation or to accept spiritual help. No door number three. And when I heard that and I was in enough pain, God finally gave me the willingness to take action and work these steps, one step at a time, one paragraph at a time, with honesty and humility. 
and trust. That's when things started to change for me. And I'm so grateful to A Vision for You. I'm so grateful to these 12 steps. They saved my life. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Libby E. Craig F., please go ahead. Yeah, hi, this is Craig F. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm reminded of a time um, 30 years ago when I was in a doctor's office. Can I be heard? Am I being heard? Yes, you can, Craig. Okay. The doctor, um, the doctor, I, I tipped the scales at 400 pounds for the first time. And the, and the doctor set me down and she gave me a lecture and she said, you know, I remember the phrase, drowning in your own juices. And I remember the that if you don't change something, you're going to be dead in five years. And, 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 and it had her desired effect if the desired effect was to scare me. I, I left there, and I remember going to the um, going to the parking lot, and my my fists were clenched, and my jaw was set, and I said, "That's that's got to be enough. I'm I'm gonna not uh, I'm not gonna overeat. I'm going on a diet. By God, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose this weight, and I'm gonna live." And I got in my truck, and I started down the road, and I and uh, I saw a fast food place, and I pulled in and got a couple sandwiches and said, I'll, I'll start tomorrow and actually stopped at another one and got a couple more. And, and it, it, it took me getting a program to understand that that binge was caused by my fear, that that was the only way I knew to handle the fear that had been created by that frothy emotional appeal. And I had no other solution. And, uh, uh, fast forward, I, I spent, over 20 years in this program in, in OA, playing with the program, uh, not being completely honest, not being, uh, um, you know, doing just enough to get by, I thought, in order to maintain some abstinence and lose some weight, and uh, not, um, but not fully committed to, and, and not not understanding the uh, the freedom that was uh, available to me if I pushed forward, and 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 I I put weight back on and I was um, I, I I got an infection and a lymphedema in my legs and I'm in the hospital and the doctor's talking about 25% of the people that ha- it went septic 25% of the people that are here with that will not check out of the hospital they'll they'll die here in the hospital and I remember thinking. My death certificate, if I die, will say maybe an infection, but it's not going to say the truth, which is he died from compulsive eating. But the difference at that time was not, you know, that fear, that same fear could have made me eat, but I'd had enough program to know that there was a solution. I'd heard enough people and seen enough people that had the solution to know that there was a solution. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, said, uh, I got this thing called the vision for you, and uh, you know it, it's uh, uh, a more aggressive way to work the program. And uh, and I had what I consider to be a spiritual experience, and I called. I got the toughest sponsor uh, I've 
I think that uh, money could buy, and uh, I and the program now has depth and weight. The message has depth and weight, and I'm ready to accept that depth and weight, and and quit playing with it, and quit uh, uh, hiding and minimizing uh, the resentments and the fears and the and uh, the dishonesties, and and to truly, truly commit myself to this program and and I and uh, the the weights peeling off and the and the recoveries there and as somebody said to me the other day the lights are on again and I'm just grateful for this program and and I'm grateful for the people that are here on the line thank you thank you Craig uh, Raquel from Israel are you there Can you hear me? I can. Please go ahead, Rachel. Thank you so much for your kind service. And hello to all my dear friends, family there. Oh, what wonderful, wonderful paragraphs and what a wonderful meeting today. Um, uh, Wow. I had to recreate yesterday what I had to recreate for for some for a young man whom I was trying to help uh, to recreate how destroyed my life was. You know, Harlan spoke about to, to recreate uh, rec- the prerequisite. I, I was fishing in my mind for the word. I, I was thinking that, like, there's a disclaimer here. You You have to have in order to recreate something, it's got to be destroyed. It's got to be in a destroyed shape, right? The prerequisite that that total being demolished, and this young man just said yesterday, I just ate a whole family pizza all by myself, and I feel so bad. I don't have any strength to do my schoolwork. He's a young thing, he's a 27-year-old. And he's calling the 75, not 76, excuse me, lady to consult how this, why, why is he having such a hard time? This is the same young man who took me to see his father who had to be, they had to bring a lift to take him from the wheelchair into the bed in the hospital, stroke from diabetes. It's a family, it's a family affair. But I, he said, how did it happen for you that you let go of the food, that it's eight years? And I had to recreate for him and for myself that destruction, that feeling of being totally demolished. In 89, coming home from school at the end of the school year with two big bags of gifts and letters from, from, from students and their parents and all, and plopping down on the couch and looking at the ceiling and doing nothing but crying. I just couldn't do anything anymore. I was just lying there looking at the ceiling and crying. My fourth child was about to leave home. And here I am with nothing standing between me and death, complete death, but food, bagels, and, 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 and four cups of coffee with sweet and low in the three o'clock in the morning and pulling myself together to be able to teach that day and coming home and being totally demolished, destroyed. And I went to a treatment center then 
And this thing about having to be re- I recreated that whole thing for him. And I said to him, have you, you know, for him to understand, to, to raise the question, have you had enough? Have you had enough? Is it bad enough? I'll give you the numbers. You didn't want to take it from me last time. Call vision for you. Yeah, I'm wrapping up. And, but, you know, he, he, he just wasn't, wasn't ready. He wasn't ready yet, but he called me this morning and asked again for the numbers because he went on parting. And I still pray for him, but I know that unless he was demolished, God cannot recreate. And I, I pray for all the people online who are now on and, and just want hold their hand out like somebody said before, out the car window. God, if you're there, please enter my life. That you should come into the lives of all the people who suffer. Because this is too good to believe what it's like to live a whole different life without the food to lean on. Thank you so much for being there. And uh, I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Renee C., please head. Good morning, Kathy Kay. This is Renee C. from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. May I be heard? Yes, you can, Renee. Thank you so much for your service. What a powerful and wonderful meeting. I'm very grateful. So everyone else has shared, and I will too, on this frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message must have depth and weight, and the ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. What a message of hope and faith and just powerful testimony to the fact that these 12 steps are nothing short of miraculous in our lives. Certainly in my life they are. And I am so grateful because the depth and weight that I'd never had before, I have found in listening to this this fellowship and this meeting, Vision for You, in working my steps and in having a power greater than myself, that power that pulls me out of the pit and puts me back into life, into helping my fellows, into being present one day at a time. I've been very emotional on this meeting because of the gratitude that I feel inside for having been led, despite the fact that I've been in program many, many years, to this chip of a book, as we say, that has brought me such incredible rocketing into that other dimension, and I'm not through all the steps yet. I can hardly wait to see what comes afterwards. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Raquel. Um we have time just for one short share, and so Carrie G., I'll ask you to make it brief, and then Janice and Reggie, I hope you can stay for the follow-up meeting. Go ahead, uh, Carrie. Reggie, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hi, I'm from uh, Lindenhurst, and I just want to thank all for sharing this morning the uh, message that I got so clearly from the reading and from those who shared um, is that I must first surrender in order to be guided by those who have recovered into a 
dimension where I can have the willingness to surrender my life to a power greater than myself, and hence my attitude and focus will change and be God-centered, then allowing me to work the steps uh, as outlined in the book. And only from a recovered individual can I hear the message of God's will for me in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Carrie G, and thank you to everyone who has shared today. Um, please join us for an unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on 64, followed by the serenity prayer. Will be please read a vision for you on page 164? Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.